This podcast is sponsored by Baby Bunting's huge stalk take sale on now. Save up to 25% off selected products store-wide. Save big on selected car seats, breast pumps, prams, cots and more. Shop for sale today, end 30th of June. See babybunting.com.au for T's and C's. The information in this podcast is provided for education and research information only. It is not a substitute for professional health advice. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Welcome, everyone. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And today's episode is What is a Retained Placenta? Okay. Good. Big, big, big one. A big one. And I think um, that what people should expect to learn after this episode is, firstly, we're going to do a quick overview of an uncomplicated delivery of the placenta in Mm -hmm. birth. Um, And then we'll go on to what is a retained placenta um, and its signs and symptoms to look out for and methods of treatment. Sure. All right, let's start, Patty. What is the normal stage of delivering your placenta? Well, the placenta, um, you know, is that third stage of labour. So, you know, first stage is the cervix dilating up, second stage is from full dilate till the baby's out. And the third stage is the delivery of the placenta. And um, what we want to see happen is shortly after the uh, baby comes out, the uterus is sort of deflated in size, it clamps right down, the placenta comes loose on the inside and is sort of squeezed out the vagina. I was doing my reading as I do before every podcast mm-hmm. and um, another obstetrician had described the placenta looks a bit like a beef brisket. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, yeah, it should it should uh, sort of fold over internally and just and just come out. And it's really nice when that happens all by itself. Mm. Um, shortly or, or, or shortly after the baby with, with sort of minimal intervention. Um, and it could be a problem if it's in there for too long. And when you say shortly after, like mm-hmm. there's there's limits on that too on third stage. Yeah, v- various places have got various time limits. We work off an hour. An hour, yeah. Yeah, an hour is a good idea, um, especially in a, in a centre where in a in a, in a hospital birth where you don't have twenty four hour immediate immediate access to an operating theatre. So in our in our hospital for the middle of the night, and we we need to go to the operating theatre. We've got to call the operating theatre staff in from home, and they're fast and they're good, but there's always going to be a bit of a delay. So if we don't have the placenta out in an hour, um, by the time we've called for help and gone to theatre, we might be up at two hours. Mm. So it's a good idea to have a cut off um, to work off. Yeah. Well, I think that is generous because I was I think maybe in the US it's half an hour. Yeah, some places might be half an hour for similar reasons. See, the longer it's been in there, the 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 more likely there is to be associated heavy bleeding. Okay. Getting that placenta out is, in fact, one of the things that stops the bleeding happening from the uterus. All right. So, can you define for us what a retained placenta is? Well, that's a placenta that's still in place after an hour. In, like the in, whole lot. All of the placenta. Right. Is that what you mean? Like, yes. Yes. Well, you might. Well, it's a good question. See, sometimes you pull on the, you, you pull gently on the cord to encourage it, and maybe the 
maybe the cord snaps. Yeah. Okay, so a bit of the cord up near the placenta might come out, but not the placenta itself. And occasionally you get just a little bit coming out, and but not most of it. And does it ever happen that you've seen that the placenta comes out in bits? Yeah, it can come out in bits. Um, and so we need to be confident that, that it's all out or you know, practically all of it is out. And if it is, <laughs> sorry to describe it like this, but if it does look like a beef brisket, um, how can you tell that it's all out? Well, there's a couple of different techniques. Firstly, if someone's bleeding and you get the whole placenta out, they'll probably stop bleeding. Oh, yeah. The placenta can be put out on a table and arranged. So if it's in bits, you can put the bits back in like a jigsaw puzzle and say, okay, it looks pretty complete. Yeah. And if there's a big bunch of jigsaw puzzle pieces missing, then they're, they're probably still inside the patient. Yeah, right. Do you have to do that very often? We always examine the placenta to make sure it's complete yeah. every single time. Um, but it's 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 not incomplete very often. Okay. Um, how common is it to have a retained placenta? Well, it depends on your time limit. Somewhere between 1% to 3% is the, it seems to cover most of the international data. And in your... In your opinion, like 3% doesn't sound like a lot. Is What do you think? Is that, is that Well, 3% is plenty of people. Right. Um, uh, so, and, and this is a significant, this is a significant complication of birth. It is what's behind quite a large number of the severe postpartum hemorrhages that happen. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. The uterus finds it really hard to clamp down if the placenta is still in there. And it's the uterus clamping down that stops everybody from having a postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah. So tell me, is there actual reasons why it happens or is it just random? Yep, sometimes it's just what doesn't want to come out. It's just a little bit stuck. Mm. Or the cervix is trying to close up again. Ah. Yeah. Or an inexperienced person maybe has pulled too hard on the cord and broken the cord and therefore there's nothing left to pull on anymore. Yeah, So wow. the placenta sits in there. And, uh, and sometimes... And this is more serious. Sometimes it's abnormally stuck to the inside of the uterus. Mm, I know that's got a name, hasn't it? That's called placenta accretion, and that and that's a, a bigger problem um, because you you know if you pull on that placenta, it won't it won't come out. Yeah, right. Why does the cervix close too early? Well, everyone's cervix can close eventually. It can yeah. get close up eventually. Um, and I think uh, you know if you examine someone in an effort to get a a placenta out to get it unstuck, the cervix is always closed a bit. Mm. After the baby comes out, but not normally enough to hold the placenta placenta back. Mm. Yeah, and so if the placenta has properly disengaged from the internal aspect of the uterus, and especially if there's a little bit of gentle traction on the cord, then it'll it'll push that partially closed cervix back open again and let the placenta out. Mm. And why do some uteruses not sort of contract down again? Yeah, so the placenta might still be in the uterus because the uterus just isn't clamping down enough to shear the placenta loose from the internal aspect of the of the um, of the uterus and we might see that that's the so-called atonic uterus where it just won't clamp down properly and we certainly might see that in a really really long labor where the uterus is too tired mm. or where we've used tons of syntocinon and really pushed that uterus you know a lot so that it's too tired yeah or if the uterus has form for not contracting down, like this happened last time and the time before that yeah, right. in, in that woman, or if the uterus has got a problem that affects its ability to clamp down, like it's full of uterine fibroids right, and the muscle just isn't as good. And what about um, like differently shaped uteruses? Do they Yeah, so down? sometimes the heart-shaped uteruses don't contract as well as the normal shape. And... 
it's hard to contract as well if the uterus has been over over distended in the first place by twins, triplets, uh, poly- really big baby. Yeah, really big baby, uh, or um, polyhydramnios, you know, the, the way too much water. Oh, yeah. And so, for example, uh, if any of those things, if this is the vaginal birth of twins or of a really big baby, or uh, a reason why we would, we would expect the uterus to contract poorly, then ideally we, will, we would have identified that as a, a potential problem during the labour and being ready to go to manage it quickly if it actually happens. And that's that third stage management. The, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so normally we might give just, just the injection in the leg that helps the uterus contract and the placenta disengaged. Um, but for someone who was a sitting duck for this problem, like they'd had it happen before, mm. then we might also put up a bag of um, syntocinone to help the uterus contract or put some tablets in your bottom to help the uterus contract. Um, we might do extra stuff knowing that if if we don't, we're more likely to run into trouble. I know this is about obstetric management, um, but what if you've given too much syntocinone and that's the reason why the uterus wasn't contracting down? Like, yep. what's in your toolkit then? Not uh, more syntocinone? <laughs> no, more stuff to help the uterus contract in other ways. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so getting that, like rubbing it. So if someone's come jumping on your tummy and rubbing your tummy to try and get that uterus to contract, it's all about um, tone. So mm. we want the uterus to contract firmly, the, uter- the placenta to be expelled, and then the uh, once the placenta's out, the, the bleeding will stop. And what about cesarean birth? Like you've got a, few, a pretty good view there. Is the You're listening to The Kick with Dr. Pat and Bridget. Listen up, everyone. It's Baby Bunting's huge stalk take sale. I love it how they call it a stalk take. And it's on now. Get up to 40% off car seats. Great savings on Huggies nappies. Get up to 25% off selected baby wear. Up to 25% off selected ergo pouch, cocoons, sleep bags and sleep suits. And save big on selected cots, prams and so much more. Shop the sale today in store or online. The sale ends Sunday the 30th of June. Go to babybunting.com.au to check out all the goodies on sale and for their T's and C's. Yeah, well, you don't tend to get the one at cesarean section. You won't get the ones that are stuck for no apparent reason because if they if they're stuck, you just put your hand in and take it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you can easily get your hand in the plane between the uterus and the uterine wall and the placenta, and just help it disengage. Um, but um, but we certainly um, some of those ones where it's abnormally stuck, mm. um, they may they may be diagnosed at cesarean section. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sometimes the well, the risk of the placenta getting abnormally stuck depends on a number of factors, but one of the important factors is if the woman's had multiple previous cesarean sections. Yeah. So if she's had multiple previous cesarean sections, then this birth's going to be both cesarean section. And sometimes we don't know that the placenta is abnormally stuck until we try and get out at, at, at section. All right. And yeah. we're going to talk about maybe treatment in part two. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll leave that there, but just remind me to ask that question. Good. All right. So what are the signs of a retained placenta? You've already said delayed and heavy bleeding, but, you know, it's immediate. We're just talking about at, at the birth, aren't we? Yep. So we might. it might just be a simple time thing. So it's just not out after a certain time. Mm. Um, and it might be accompanied by uh, heavy bleeding. And some people go home with heavy bleeding suspected uh, retained placenta, or or is it something different? Well, that's a bit different. So there's a there's another similar idea called 
a similar concept called retained products of conception. Mm. That's a bit different to a retained placenta. So a retained placenta is a sort of a an emergency thing that happens right at the time. That's where the whole placenta is stuck inside the woman. Uh, retained products of conception is where um, we might think the whole placenta is out, but actually a little bit of placental tissue or a little bit of membranes, the sac, is still up inside the uterus where it can form a focus of infection. And that tends to present later on as infection or delayed bleeding. Mm. Delayed bleeding, like um, hemorrhaging? Yeah, yeah, that might not happen for 7 to 10 days after birth. Yeah, right. Okay. And that's someone who comes back 7 to 10 days later with a fever and bleeding. Is that because uh, perhaps we didn't see that all the placenta had come out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so not very common at caesarean section because you can look in and see yeah. and make sure that it's all gone. But at vaginal birth, you've got no, no way of knowing that it's all out. Yeah, right. Yeah, so little tiny bits can be left behind. In fact, little tiny bits are left behind all the time and it's not. it doesn't always cause a fever and delayed bleeding. Right. But... Uh, in some circumstances, that little tiny bit will become a focus of infection and uh, and lead to a problem perhaps a week, 10 days later. Yeah, wow. Okay. And I think it's worthwhile talking to people about what the signs and symptoms of um, retained products of conception. What, what does somebody feel at 7 to 10 days? Well, a fever. Fever, yep. Sick, flu-like illness and Bleeding yep. and or bleeding. And or bleeding. Yeah. And say they didn't have bleeding, how would they know that it's not just mastitis? Like is that also commonly sort of uh, misdiagnosed at that stage? Well, the mastitis would normally have symptoms of mastitis, so breast pain. Oh. Yeah. But if someone comes back in six, seven to ten days later, then we've got a whole lot of bunch of things we need to look for. One would be a problem in the uterus. Next would be mastitis. Next would be urine infection. Yeah. Okay, good. We're talking about uh, retained placenta. Yeah. So now we've reached our time limit and the placenta's still not out, right? Yep. Okay. So what's the first step? What's the first protocol that your healthcare provider might do? Well, there's lots of things that we would have been doing already. Mm. We won't, wouldn't wait for an hour and then start doing things. So there's be things that we would have been doing already. And the things that seem to help are to provide um, what's called cont- controlled cord traction. Mm. So um, I might be holding onto the cord in one hand and with my other hand just pushing upwards on the uterus so that we don't sort of pull the whole uterus down into the pelvis, just pull the placenta, help the placenta come out of the uterus. And uh, and you can put that traction on at all times so that, so that there's some gentle traction almost all the time on the placenta. And that way, um, if it really wants to come out, that you've always got a little bit of traction on it and bang it well. Mm. Right. Do you think a patient's a bit nervous when that's happening? Yeah, it's a little, it's uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, not so much the pulling on the cord, but the rubbing on the tummy at oh, the top, yeah. it hurts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, emptying the bladder helps. Mm. Uh, that, that's for sure, and that's something that's often forgotten, but it really does help, is, um, is so that you don't have um, a big full bladder pushing down on that lower part of the uterus and maybe blocking the passage of the placenta coming mm. in. Uh, and, um, and sometimes the woman giving a little push will help. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A- and we will have been, been doing all of that, plus giving some medication to help the uterus contract tightly. And then if we're getting up towards that hour, the golden hour as we call it, we would have, uh, I'd, we would have alerted our people. So mm. if we've got junior people on, they would have alerted senior people. If we need theatre, we would have already called theatre so that when we get to that hour, we can go to theatre and deal with it mm. rather than get to that hour and think, yeah, we really need theatre and then they're not in for another hour. Yeah. Um, and I've actually 
never delivered a placenta. (laughs) So is the woman having, um, you know, say if her, you know, one of the reasons is that maybe her uterus is too tight and she's not contracting properly. But if she is contracting properly and it's not happening, are those contractions the same as her labour contractions, the same pain, the same sort of every Mm, five minutes? No, they're different. Yeah, Yeah. they're not as as painful. They're not as frequent. They're not as strong. But the uterus is still contracting, trying to get the placenta out. Yeah, okay. And... You've said that, you know, if someone's got a retained placenta, they're going up to theatre. Yeah. And this might be a bit of, feel like a insult after you've just gone through a big labour without, yes. you know, pain relief or, yeah, you know, happens. whatever. Yeah, this happens. And then all of a sudden you're in theatre. Yep. Is it a spinal block? Is it epidural? Yeah, so um, we talked to the anaesthetist at that point and sometimes there's a role for a spinal block and sometimes there's a role for a general anaesthetic. Yeah, well. Depending on the patient's individual circumstances and needs, um, and then um, and then it's uh, it's just a it's a process of um, obstetrician um, putting on some really long gloves that go all the way up your arm, and um, and uh, with the patient asleep or properly blocked, uh, reaching into the vagina, mm. up through the cervix into the uterus, and um, and uh, grabbing the placenta and pulling it out. Mm. Wow. Manual removal of placenta. Right. Okay. And I could imagine that, you know, the woman's just given birth vaginally if that and and that's relatively easy to do. Well, if the head's just come out the vagina then yeah, then 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 my then my fist will fit, my hand will fit no dramas. Yeah. You see what I mean? Sounds awful. Mm. But if a term baby's just come out then then it's not it's not technically difficult. Yeah. And these this is one of those um uh Points that we point out uh, where people go, oh, my God, I can't believe I listened to that. But, you know, if it ever did happen, thank God I listened to that. <laughs> well, I think that's the I think that's the point of this whole podcast and, and of our Grandma Baby program and so forth. It's about education and information being valuable in itself. Yeah. And don't, no, no, one, no, one, no one has to listen. But in my experience of an awfully not long time in obstetrics, and the people uh, who know a lot really go better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did forget to ask. Is another, um, you know, you you can get contractions with breastfeeding. Is yeah. another thing during that hour while you're waiting for the? Oh, yeah, you put the baby on the breast. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that works too. Okay. Yep. So stimulating, um, stimulating the nipple helps the uterus contract. Yeah. Good. All right. So they that will be done too. Now, if you're there um, manually trying to do that, but it's not coming out, mm-hmm. and you're suspecting that it's attached to the uterine wall, what do yes. you do? Yes, we're in a bit of trouble by now. Oh. This is rare, yep. okay, but very rare. But if it's um, uh, if if it's very um, firmly adherent um, and won't come out, then th- there are some emergency interactions that are often necessary because this situation will often be complicated by the presence of very severe bleeding, mm. okay? So we can try and form a plane between the uterus and the uterine wall and the placenta, and occasionally that works, and you can get out most of the placenta, Mm. enough for the uterus to clamp down, and then the bleeding will stop. But if you can't get it out at all, and there's no plane and you can't intervene, and the woman is bleeding heavily, then that's a life-threatening emergency that needs a hysterectomy. Oh, wow. Okay, so we've got to operate, open the tummy and take out the uterus. So it's an open hysterectomy yeah. as well? Yeah. Because yeah. you want to do it fast. Fast, yeah. Mm. And, of course, that is a that that is a an outcome that we would hope no, happens to nobody. Mm. Um, but um, the people who 
it's it's a very rare thing to happen to someone who's having their first baby to have a, a really abnormally adherent placenta like that. And it's much more commonly is going to happen to somebody who's had a bunch of previous caesarean sections. Mm. So at least if it comes to that, that woman may have had a number of babies already, including the one she's just had, and may, you know, in a perfect world, would already have finished her family. Mm. Um, but um, certainly it's possible for a woman to, to lose her uterus prematurely to an emergency like that, but mm. thankfully very rare. Very rare. Mm. I, I, you know, I've never heard you talk about that. I've been involved in, in a few of those. There's this weird phenomenon in, in, medical, uh, in the medical world where in your first couple of years as a specialist, you get, invo- you get involved in a bunch of really crazy and rare complications. And, and you think, and, help, help, what you, have I and done? And you think, oh my God, this job's great. And then you'll go 20 years without seeing the yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really, you know, I don't know, the universe's way of really testing you to see whether testing you've you actually chosen the career that you want to yeah, do. Yeah, and whether you learned enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, we hope that through this uh, episode that you've learned that it's pretty rare. Three uh, percent for a retained placenta, yes, yes. and for a, and for a um, a retained placenta that we can't easily easily fix is much rarer again. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I've asked all my questions. Have you got? Anything more to say? You know, before we talked about the, the a slightly different situation called retained oh, yes. um, retained products of conception, where um, just little tiny bits left over, and they, that woman might present later on. That will often just that's a different scenario that will often respond to antibiotics to yeah. treat the infection bit. Um, an ultrasound is used to see if there's any little bits and pieces left in the uterus and occasionally a curette done seven to ten days later is necessary to empty the uterus and remove that focus of infection and everything gets better. All right. So if a woman suspects that perhaps she has got the retained products of conception, yes. that she is bleeding heavily. She's got, yeah, fever, fever. or heavy bleeding. Yeah. Mm. And so she just rings her GP as first port? Yeah, yeah, hospital at well, sometimes that's a, a that's a emergency. more yeah. Sometimes mm. it's a hospital emergencies type uh, situation, um, and it's something we should really be looking out, out for, particularly at that classic time of seven to ten days after a birth. Mm. So, is it possible that some people just might mistake retained products of conception with just feeling the recovery of having a baby? Well, I don't think they would commonly mistake this. So, we're talking about someone who's quite unwell. But it's just a reminder, isn't it, that that uh, complications can happen in that six weeks. And if things are happening that seem to you to be out of the ordinary, then you've got to speak up, go back to your care providers and get the attention that you need. Okay, so in this episode we covered what is a retained placenta and the treatment and we hope that the takeaway message for you is that it's reasonably uncommon um, but now you know the signs and symptoms of a retained placenta um, and the treatment that you might need to help you recover. Okay. Let's go on to the myth or fact. Myth or fact. Okay, Pat, we talked about this a little bit in the episode already, mm-hmm. but myth or fact, there's a limit to how many caesareans you can have. That's a myth. Hmm. So, yeah, you can have as many as you need or, or want. And I think the world record's like 15 or something. Oh, my God. But so th- there's not a limit to how many you can have. They're, they just get technically trickier to do. And the risks involved in having those seizures do climb with the more, the more you've had. And the risks of rare complications in subsequent pregnancies climb the more seizures you've had. That's not the same thing as to suggest that there's a, a limit. They just get trickier. Yeah, I think that that has sort of um, been carried on since, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years ago where the first seizures, I remember 
people were told that they could only have two or three Caesars. Yeah, and I think that that turned out not really to be so. And improvements in the technique over the years made it better. And very few people these days in Australia want to have more than four or five babies, very few. And I've certainly done five Caesars for people Mm. when there's been a need to do that. Yeah, the fifth and sixth one have been technically tricky, um, but but it's been possible and doable. Excellent. All right. All right. I haven't had anyone who's had to limit their family size because the babies were born by cesarean section. Actually, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right, people, you've heard it here. That is a myth. That's a myth. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We appreciate your time. Uh, We hope that you've learnt lots today. And if you've got a topic that you want us to cover, just slide into our DMs at the Kick Pregnancy Podcast. Um, And other than that, we'll see you next week. All right. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. Good on you. Bye now. Bye now.